Hello and welcome back to another episode of A Blessing in Divorce. Today I want to talk to you about therapy speak and how it can be creating additional conflict during your divorce and also in our relationships in general. So what is therapy speak? Well, it's become one of those things that we all do now because, and I'm not just talking about coaches like myself, I'm talking about people in general. I see this in my Facebook group all the time. It is using language that originally just existed in this in the therapy space, like when you're speaking with a therapist or a counselor, but because of social media and apparently most specifically TikTok, where there are quite a few therapists sharing information, we are all becoming so familiar with these terms like trauma, abuse, trauma bonding, boundaries, codependency, narcissistic behavior disorder, you know, all of these various um, terms that we start using them in our in our regular language, in our day-to-day conversations and in relationships with other people. Suddenly, everyone is divorcing a narcissist, right? And they're not. This is a very rare disorder that really only exists in apparently about 5% of the population. It might be higher because it is very difficult to diagnose. What is true is that there are many people who display narcissistic tendencies and behaviors at times. And what I also personally believe to be true is that a higher percentage of the, you know people who are getting divorced is likely because of these kinds of relationships, because being married to a narcissist or someone who has narcissistic tendencies is of course much more challenging than being married to someone who's not. So is there a larger percentage of people in a divorce community that are dealing with a narcissist than in the regular population? Of course, but is it an overused term? Absolutely. So we're not just going to be talking about narcissism here. We're going to be talking about many different terms. Like I said, you know, um, boundaries, trauma bonding, abuse, you know, really getting into a little bit of what they mean, but more about what it means for our relationships when we use these terms in regular conversations. So join me for this, I don't know, fun, (laughs) enlightening and um, interesting conversation. Welcome back to another episode of A Blessing in Divorce. I am so grateful to be allowed into your headset and your day today. My name is Elizabeth and I am the host of this podcast and the owner and founder of The Separation Club which is the club you never wanted to be part of, but the best club to be in if you are going through separation and divorce. Here we talk about how to heal, move forward, and find love if you're so inclined. Also, motherhood through divorce, finding yourself and creating the life you deserve. Our tools are community, sisterhood, honesty, vulnerability, spirituality, and coaching. And that's when we aren't talking to experts. I am also a divorced mother of four adult sons, remarried and a stepmom to three, so we will be talking about everything that goes with all of that here. If you are recently separated, thinking of separating, divorcing, or even beyond your divorce, but still feeling it, then this is the podcast for you. All you really have to do is jump into any self-help space, whether it's on social media, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, or 
just in conversations now, especially inside a divorce support group, everyone is talking about codependency and boundaries, gaslighting, trauma bonding, so many very heavily loaded terms that are being used in casual conversations, casual posts. You know, I couldn't tell you how often I see a post that starts with, I am divorcing, you know, uh, an abusive narcissist who's been gaslighting me for years. And then they present some scenario that they're dealing with and that they want help with or support with or some advice around. And I I have problems with that whole uh, way that that, advice is asked for because it starts off with you know here are my horrible circumstances so now that I have validated myself and you hopefully feel sorry for me now you will advise me based on that information and most likely what they really want you to say is that you're right that you they feel sorry for you and that this person is an asshole um, and if the word asshole is offending you, then you might not want to listen to this because I'm probably going to say it a few more times. But the thing is that we only hear one side of the story in that circumstance. And in many ways, how you want to deal with finer parts of your divorce, like a parenting agreement or the fact that somebody sent you an angry text or that, you know, you've been separated for six months and now your ex has a new girlfriend. These things are all very difficult, very painful, very challenging circumstances. But whether or not your ex is a narcissist or whether or not uh, they've been gaslighting you in your marriage is actually not relevant necessarily to the advice that's being asked for. Plus, now somebody who is untrained in diagnosing this is telling us that this person is such. And then everyone who's also uneducated in dealing with behaviors like that, like seriously disordered behaviors, are now giving advice based on that information and based on what they perceive as their own knowledge of what that is. So the follow-up comments underneath will be many. I know exactly what you're dealing with. You know, my ex-husband is also a narcissist and blah, 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 blah. I'm not saying that this isn't true for many women or people, I should say, because I work mostly with women, but I understand that these, of course, these things happen on both sides. Um, and so I just want to say that because you probably will hear me say women again. But um, we are only hearing one side of the story and we are not in any way qualified to diagnose these people. And we are really seriously diminishing the suffering that is true for those who truly are dealing with an abusive narcissist who has been gaslighting them for years or who has been doing any other number of controlling things or, or you know, who have been under the control of this person. You know, to truly be there for someone and to hold space, if you will, which, by the way, is another therapy speak, but um, to, to create an environment where people feel safe coming forward and sharing their stories and asking for advice, we all need to be a little bit better at sitting back and saying, I'm really sorry that's happening to you. You know, empower them with some kind words, 
perhaps some suggestions that you think might be helpful, and to leave our own stories out of the interaction. What often happens is just becomes a dumping ground for everyone to share how they're all married to a narcissist. And the other thing that's been created in the group because of that, and I'm sure it's the same in all the groups, is that the people who are divorcing someone just simply because it wasn't working anymore, like they're not divorcing an abusive individual, they're not divorcing someone because they're alcoholic or some horrible human being, it just wasn't working anymore. And they actually feel that they have no business stepping forward and asking for advice or support because, well, my circumstances aren't as bad as all these ladies. But I think we need to stop making it about justifying and validating ourselves and instead taking responsibility for how we feel, taking responsibility for the relationship that we have been in and our choice to be in it and our choice to stay in it as long as we did and stop making it about what the other person did to harm us all the time. We, it actually makes you a victim. And I've talked about this before. Uh, I actually went looking for which podcast, but I thought I had called it labeling, but I didn't, so I couldn't find it. But I know I've talked about labeling before. Perhaps it was in my membership. But we rely on these labels to validate and justify how we feel. I just want to say this to you. If you're going through separation or divorce or the end of some a very significant relationship, it could even be a friendship, there's pain involved and there is grief. Um, things might have been said that are really hard to hear. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the person that you're, you are in um, disagreement with or that you're divorcing or separating from, it doesn't mean that person is necessarily abusive or a narcissist or is gaslighting you. Uh, it just might mean that your time together is done and that you can no longer find that common thread, that common place, that place of sharing and love and, and community together. And so therefore, it's just conflict now. It's better to just step away and to accept that that's happened and to be able to say, this doesn't work for me anymore. You know, I'm not feeling fulfilled. Or I'm not feeling seen. I'm not feeling heard. All, you know, fine. But it doesn't have to be about what the horrible things that the other person has done. And I don't know why it is that everyone feels so, everyone, most everyone, feels so compelled to go to that place. It's just, it's like, it's like they think that that's the only way that it's allowed. Someone said something to me not long after we separated. So my ex-husband had an affair. He had been having an affair for a year. It was the second time. So when this happened in my marriage, the marriage ended. I was not going to go through that work of healing from an affair again. It was too much to do one more time. Plus now there's a pattern. Plus, honestly speaking, our marriage wasn't that great. So it wasn't, in my opinion, it wasn't worth going through all that one more time. It just wasn't for me. I was done. That was that was the nail, the last nail in the coffin. So, you know, why did my marriage end? Oh, it ended because he cheated on me and he's a cheater. Well, yes, that is why it ended then. But I mean, let's face it, our marriage wasn't great. You know, there were issues, there were there were things that weren't working or that affair probably wouldn't have happened. You know, it came to light later and you'll you'll have heard me speak about this that 
he definitely has some very strong narcissistic tendencies. I didn't even know what that was, by the way, when I got divorced. It was probably six months into my weekly therapy sessions to recover from this that my therapist introduced the concept to me. And when I went and looked up and researched and read about you know, what a narcissist is, it became obvious to me that he held many of those characteristics. So what that did for me, and this is the, the benefit of having the terminology exist, is to give you an opportunity to understand what you're dealing with, to understand your experience better. Because I know that a lot of you sit back and think, like, how could this person treat me so badly? Or why are they being so mean? Or why, why don't they love me anymore? Why, why, why all these things, right? And I know for me to understand his personality better and to understand these characteristics that he definitely had, um, it wasn't so much about, oh, now I'm going to tell the whole world I'm divorcing a narcissist. It was more, it allowed me to understand why. So then when some horrible text or email came through to me from him, I could read that and I could actually understand kind of why he was sending it and from what place. And also, it, more importantly, it helped me decide how to respond or whether to respond at all. And I didn't tell anyone except my very best friend. Uh, I actually had her read the same article that I had read and she agreed with me. I mean, ultimately that doesn't matter. It was what my therapist said that held, held, held weight. But other than her, I didn't tell anyone what I had learned about him. I certainly did not tell the children. And what's been interesting is that, you know, 15 years later, they now use the same terminology when they talk about their father. And several of them have been in therapy and whatever. So, it, you know, neither here nor there. I guess I'm really just saying that to to explain that when I use that terminology, it's because it's been given to me by professionals. And that's kind of the purpose of it all. But it is not to, in any way, justify or validate my experience. Um, I had already decided to leave because of the state of our marriage. And that is where I'd like you to make a decision from as well. And when you're then reaching out for support, it is important to come from the place of what you need from us, from me, from a coach, from a therapist, and from your friends and a Facebook group to, to understand I'm going to reach out to the group and ask for help here because I need help with this. Maybe it's just getting through the day. Maybe it's just taking a deep breath. Maybe it's just because you want to hear that there are others who feel the same way. Maybe you just don't want to feel so alone. Any and all of these things are valid and necessary and important when you're going through this. Don't feel that you have to justify your pain by putting down or by attaching labels to your ex. It isn't necessary. You being unhappy is good enough. You telling us that this person is treating you badly is acceptable. We believe you. You saying this person is inflicting a lot of pain on me with his words or her words is good enough. I've been really hurt by this relationship. I accept that. So let us help you based on what you need from us, not based on how awful your ex is. Because ultimately, as much as that has definitely colored your experience and your marriage, your relationship and your divorce and continues to do so probably, 
the healing strategies that I talk to you about all the time, the way forward is the same for you or for all of us, really. We have to continue to take one step forward every single day. We have to continue to focus on our needs and our healing and the things that we need to learn and do and focus on to make that happen. And so that's where that this conversation is coming from today. That's the kind of stuff I want to get into. I still have so much more I want to share with you. But I want to tell you a little bit about the background of where this conversation started. So first of all, it was a friend of mine who showed me an article in the Globe and Mail, which I will be quoting a little bit of. Um, and in fact, one of the first things that the article said, the Globe and Mail, by the way, is a newspaper here in Canada, for those of you who are listening from the U.S., and it had posted this article about Therapy Speak, and it explained how this all came into, sort of was brought to the forefront and came into came to our attention, really, um, again, on social media, when the actor Jonah Hill, or rather his ex-girlfriend, um, Sarah Brady, had published a series of texts that um, allegedly was sent between the two of them while they were still together, where she had been accusing him of emotional abuse. And first of all, I think it's so unfortunate that these things get published and shared in spaces where hundreds of thousands are watching or millions. I just think that's so unfortunate that people take that road. But anyhow, what the article explained, or rather a psychotherapist who was interviewed for the article, she explained that we are currently living in an era where pop psychology has dominated our digital world. We are drowning in information and therapy speak as a byproduct of that. The result is that we become quick to label and diagnose using these terms rather than meaningfully working towards or rather through our issues. So I find that so interesting um, what she said. And I, you know, she quoted a, a mock sort of conversation that can happen between couples where maybe there's a disagreement happening across the dinner table or something like that. Like I really didn't, you know, it could have gone like, I really didn't like the way you talked to me last night when we were at our friends. It felt really uncomfortable when you said whatever you said. That's one way to do it. But what's starting to happen, I guess, is that instead of that, this person might say, you know, I think you're really showing some narcissistic tendency and you were really gaslighting me yesterday in front of our friends and I need to draw some really, you know, boundaries around this and I can't tolerate it anymore. It's like, wow, those two ways of saying the same thing. How do you think the person across the table is receiving those two different conversations and which one is more likely to result in a productive conversation or instead a drag down fight, right? I mean, it's obvious, but this is actually what's happening. And I know, I also know from, you know, friends of mine who have teenagers, especially teenage daughters who are much more emotional, have much more emotional intelligence, generally speaking, than teenage boys. And they're even starting to use that language about their friends and about their parents. You know, you're abusing me, you're gaslighting me, like all this kind of, you know, you're controlling me, all these sort of, again, this therapy speak that they're hearing on social media all the time. It's becoming mainstream and it isn't mainstream behavior. You know what? Sometimes people are just assholes. Sometimes people say things not realizing that they're hurting someone. We just have to make them aware. Sometimes people um, don't care if they're hurting people. It's not that they are doing it on purpose, but they are just busy getting attention. So they just keep hammering home. And meanwhile, they're really hurting someone who the, you know, the conversation is directed at. 
but they don't even notice because they're busy preoccupied with themselves. Does that make this person a narcissist? Does it make them an abuser? Or are they gaslighting? Probably not. They're just being insensitive and mean. And I think people are much more likely to respond in a positive way and be willing to work on something or change something or stop doing something when you use terminology like that felt really insensitive or that really hurt my feelings as opposed to you're a narcissist who's gaslighting me. I just don't think that's going to go well. And something to consider is that sitting down at the dinner table across from your you know, spouse, um, boyfriend, friend, whatever, and telling them that they're abusive and gaslighting you and marginalizing you and traumatizing you or any number of other terms can actually be abusive in and of itself. Um, And if nothing else, it will certainly have a reaction from the other person and likely not the reaction that you would like to have from them. So how are we using these terms right now that could be um, not very helpful? Well, we're overusing them, first of all, which diminishes their value in a way. And it really takes away from the experience that people are having who truly are being abused in some way. So we want to be careful to not apply that experience to ourselves if we're not actually having that experience. Um, we're using these this terminology to describe a situation almost like we want that to be the truth so people will feel sorry for us. So we're doing it to gain attention perhaps, for validation, uh, to justify that we want a divorce. It could be for any number of reasons. And I think what we need to start looking more at is why are we using the terminology and what could we say instead? And uh, why do we feel that we have to justify our decision? So generally speaking, doing these kinds of things tends to be a bit ego-driven. It's driven by that you want to be right. And the unfortunate byproduct of that is that you become a victim to the circumstances whether the abuse is real or not uh, whether it is uh, mild or severe in order to fully heal from this experience whatever your experience is we do need to release it let go of it and stop being the person who was abused and controlled and start being the person who was able to move away from it that is how we stop being a victim to the abuser or a victim to the circumstances that we are narrating for ourselves, which make us a victim. Okay, I think I said victim enough. Anyway, therapy speak, I also want to talk about how it's valuable because it has a place, of course, and that is in therapy or with a qualified professional to talk about those things. And it, like I said in the very beginning, it can help us better understand our own experiences. It can also help us Uh, give terminology or um, put into words an experience, a relationship experience um, or dynamic that we might not know how to to name or to explain. So then suddenly you're given this phrase or this understanding through these words that really nails it. And that can be very helpful um, both when you're, you know, talking to a therapist or even a lawyer about your experiences and what you're dealing with, but also for your own healing when you're sitting with yourself and, and just working through your emotions and your, you know, unraveling kind of what happened in this relationship. 
it becomes more harmful, the therapy speak, when a term is used out of context or outside a relationship of trust that you might have with the therapist, for example. And when you're using it to diagnose your spouse, but you don't have the expertise to do so, it becomes oversimplified and it becomes sort of a black and gray, black and white, like they either are or they aren't. Um, and we become almost, so, you know, I spoke about narcissistic tendencies. Honestly, most people, just about everyone on the face of this earth has narcissistic tendencies. We can all get immersed in our ego. We can all become very focused on what we need and doing and saying what we need to do to get that understanding. We all do it sometimes. It happens on occasion and that's okay. It's normal. We all have days where we do better than other days. When it becomes a problem is when it's more prevalent and when it's used as a method to, you know, more of a deliberate control of your partner or someone in your life. That's when it becomes more detrimental and more challenging and that the person who is a victim of it, of that behavior, who that behavior has been inflicted on, of course, now that shapes how they think of themselves and how they think of this relationship and so on. The word narcissist holds a tremendous amount of weight and meaning now because we all talk about it. So it's not a word you just want to throw around. And I just, like I said earlier, I want you to ask yourself, do I need to add that my ex might be a narcissist or is or whatever in order for me to get support here? Probably not. And it just, yeah, it just isn't necessarily necessary. And so what's happened as well is that not only do people add that, but then they add weight to it. So I, I have an extremely abusive narcissistic ex or with severe narcissism, you know, so then the additional words get added. I, I have talked to hundreds of women. I've worked with hundreds of women both one-on-one -on -one and in group settings. And I have spoken to women who say they're divorcing a narcissist who it's like, ah, you know, fall more into the narcissistic tendencies category. And then I've spoken to women who are divorcing a narcissist and it is shocking the behavior that they've been subjected to. It is absolutely appalling. It's so abusive and awful. So let's just be sensitive to that there's a whole range of actual experiences and that we don't need to put ourselves on that spectrum in order for us to be deserving of advice, support, love, community. In the separation club, whoever's listening to this, you are welcome regardless of your experience, regardless if you're divorcing the nicest person on this earth, but you just don't want to be with them anymore, regardless of whether you chose it or the other person chose it, regardless of whether you are finally leaving after decades of, of abuse or not, there doesn't have to be this awful reason for you to decide to end this marriage or for this marriage to have ended, for you to be deserving of our love and our support when you're going through this. This is hard no matter what. And I want to you to know that you are welcome. And as we look at how we present ourselves and how we ask the world for help, ask yourself first, what do I need here? What is it I'm looking for guidance on? Like I said, I said this in the very beginning, you're just looking for a way to get through the day, then say that. Like I'm just trying to get through the day. I am crying nonstop today help like how do you guys get out of bed in the morning how do you face the day how do you deal with your kids that's specific and you will get some beautiful tips and love and shoulders virtual shoulders to cry on it is so lovely to see the support that people offer 
But when you make it about what the other person's doing, you know, I'm just so heartbroken because my severely narcissistic ex um, is just treating me like garbage and blah, 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 on and on about what the other person's doing. It really ends up just being this push for like other experiences like that. And now they're all trying to almost one up you or at least be as bad as you, right? How awful your situation is does not correlate with the support that you need. You need support no matter what. And the support is helpful no matter what. So please remember that. Ultimately, therapy speak can end up being um, a way to kind of bypass your own healing, to not look at your responsibility in a relationship or in your own actions and behaviors. Sometimes when we make bad choices, or we don't make choices, we don't make decisions, so decisions get made for us and we don't like those decisions, and then we blame it on someone else's behavior, you are not taking responsibility for your own life. You are being a victim to other people's behavior, being a victim to circumstances, and you're standing on top of the roof screaming about it, and you're asking people to support you in a situation where you have relinquished all control voluntarily. What I would like you to get out of this episode, the, the key takeaway I want you to have here is that whatever label you'd like to attach to your ex, uh, or perhaps appropriately attached to your ex, ask yourself, do I need to talk about that in order to get what I need? I want you to understand the role of that label. So for example, you know, if you are dealing with someone who has a personality disorder, who is depressed, who actually is an alcoholic or um, an addict of some kind, it can be very helpful to learn about that, to understand their behavior, what drives them, because it'll help you understand why things happen the way they did. It'll help you understand why they're being the way they are towards you. And what it ultimately does, it kind of absolves you of, you know, I couldn't really help them with this. This is outside of my scope. I was not the person to help them with their addiction. But I also know that I can no longer live in this world of living with an alcoholic or living with someone who's treating me and abusing me in this way. I can't do it anymore. So I'm going to leave. And now I'm going to get the tools to move forward and let go of that. I'm also going to go to therapy and I'm going to learn to understand how this abuse, for example, has impacted me. These are the ways that I'd like you to try to think, like, how can I use this information that I have now? How now that I know that I'm dealing with that I have ADHD, I'm just bringing in a new term here, but I know it gets brought up a lot, or now that I can understand that this is anxiety that's driving these feelings, what can I do with that information? Where will I go for help? When we have bigger issues like that, that we have trouble understanding, it's important to find the people that can help you with that specifically. So go and see in a therapist or a counselor who specializes in anxiety or go and see someone who perhaps can give you medication for a case of depression that you're experiencing during your divorce just to get you over the hump and to understand how it's how it's showing up in your life which symptoms are associated with or attached to the depression i believe it's much more important for us to work towards understanding ourselves 
and taking responsibility for who we are. That doesn't mean taking the blame or that is all your fault. It just means knowing who you are, understanding why you respond or react in certain ways, and then choosing to change what you want to change, what you'd like to do differently, choosing to learn the things that you need to know in order to move forward, choosing to seek out people, professionals, and communities that can help you do that. It's about taking responsibility for your life instead of sitting back and throwing your hands up and look at me, poor me, I am dealing with this horrible person over here who has these six different personality disorders and I want you to feel sorry for me and I want you to tell me that I'm right and I want you to tell me that my concerns are valid so that I can, exactly, so that I can what? Nothing, continue to hurt, continue to be lost, continue to be heartbroken. That's where we stay. When we attach our well-being or our simply our being to what someone else is doing, we are never going to be okay. We have to take responsibility for ourselves. And I think so much of this labeling and attaching well, yeah, labels to people, it's about pushing the responsibility away from ourselves. Well, I can't help it because I'm divorcing a narcissist. You know, that's just, just what I'm dealing with. So woes me. And I don't mean to sound harsh. It's I have tremendous compassion for everything you're going through when you're going through divorce. It's a horrible experience. It really is. There's so much grief and loss. And even if this is happening with a friend or a coworker or a family member, it's really, really hard. Uh, so if the label or the personality disorder is appropriate, then use it to learn, to learn what are symptoms of that disorder and what you can expect from that person. It'll, it'll show you that it's out of your hands and so therefore you can walk away. So learn what you need to learn and then also always learn about yourself. What was my part? Whether it was in tolerating the behavior or choosing to stay or ignoring or continuing, you know, was was I trauma bonded? Learn what that really is, by the way. Um, it's not something that everybody has and that's okay. Uh, learn about yourself, become your own project, learn everything you can about who you wanna be and how to get there. Work with people like coaches and therapists who can help you do that, help you understand I talk a lot about it here on the podcast. I do this work with my clients every single day. I'd love to work with you if you would like to do this work. I think the only requirement to work with me, honestly, is to be willing to hear the truth because I will never lie to you and be willing to, to take the steps. You know, you it's all fine to say I want to heal and I want to feel better and I want to get over this and I want to get on with my life. Okay, that's great. What do you need to do to get there? What are you doing about getting to that new place? You know, what is it that you're thinking about every day? Where do your thoughts go? Um, because where your thoughts go is where your energy flows. And that's where, you know, if you're sitting and thinking about them all the time, what they did, what they are doing, what they didn't do, whatever, then you are not moving forward. You're still sitting in the past. I'm all about moving forward. 
and I know I did this work for myself and the whole taking responsibility part, oh, it was hard. It was hard sometimes, but I was really good at not blaming myself. Like I was really good at accepting that I take responsibility for this and this. I see that I did this and this. I see my part. And this is something I'd like to change in a future relationship. I'd like to not be this person. I could also see that the reason I was showing up like that was it was part of a dynamic with my ex. You know, we we fueled certain behaviors in each other. You know, this person might be someone else with someone else. I am someone else with my new husband. He's not that new anymore, by the way. We're celebrating our um, 11th wedding anniversary on the weekend. But um, anyway... I think I've said all I want to say to you about this today. Um, as always, I so I am so grateful for the opportunity to have these conversations with you. I love talking to you and I'm hoping that you find value here. So I have a favor to ask of you um, before you go is if you haven't already and you enjoy these episodes, it really helps more people get access to them if you can hit me up with some reviews. And just let people know what you think and what you find helpful or useful about these episodes. Give me a few stars if you feel so inclined. Uh, and really, let's let's see if we can get more help, more help to more people, so that women, especially, I guess, since that's who I work with. But I just the the last thing I want is for people to feel alone going through something like divorce. And there's so much space for you here, and so much understanding. There's no judgment all are welcome. So please share. Share on social media, hit me up with some stars and reviews and share with your friends. I thank you so much for being here. And before I go, one more thing. We're running a retreat. I'm running more and more retreats actually. I'm so excited about doing this. And the reason being that there's something magical that happens when we leave our environment. I know that not everyone can take a whole week to go to Costa Rica or Italy with me, even though that is happening in 2024. Um, for some of you, a weekend is all you can spare. Maybe the money only permits you to do a weekend. But I want you to know that the opportunity to reflect, to go inward, to do some healing and to be in a space where you can say anything, be anyone and still get so much love and support that's what you get from retreats. I I really had no idea how much impact these retreats could have until I ran the one in Costa Rica. Actually, that's not even true. The weekend retreats I started running in 2021 showed me that. The sisterhood and the value of that, like the impact of sitting with women, sharing, um, being there for each other, uh, learning together. I, I can't even explain the power in the group of women, the strength and love that just pours out of us when we're together. One builds the other one up, one grows with the other. It's so beautiful and so powerful. And it's not about that you have to sit and share your innermost secrets. You share as you feel called to or as you don't. It's just about taking the time. It's about saying to yourself that, I need this. I need some healing. I need to get away from my everyday. I need to focus on me so I can go back to my everyday and do better, be better, and have the life that I really want. And 
one of the things that's so special about women is our ability to tune inward and, and to go inward or rather and use our intuition. You know, uh, women's intuition, we've all heard about it. It's real. It's really real. But we've been taught to push it away, that it's crazy or it's whatever, it's wrong. We've been taught to not listen. When we go away on these retreats, it's a huge focus of mine to teach you and to create a safe place for you to tune into your intuition, to trust it, to listen, to hear the messages because they will come flooding when you when you open yourself up. And I'm not talking about scary stuff or awful things or horrible traumatic memories. I'm talking about guidance, like your own inner divine guidance for yourself. Your voice saying to you, hey, beautiful human being, let's do something great in this world. Let's heal, let's move forward. And here are some ways that you can do that. So let's do this work together. I hope you will join me. We are going to a really special place sitting in nestled in 15 acres of forest um, on October 27th to 29th. We will be standing under the glow of a full moon, a beautiful, beautiful full moon on the Saturday. We're going to have bonfires. We're going to make things together. We're going to meditate. We're going to journal. We are going to, we have gifts for you. We have a private chef coming in. It's just going to be so wonderful. But I really want you to ask yourself more than anything. Could my soul, my heart, use a bit of love right now? Could my heart and soul use some mothering? Would you allow us, myself and Denise, who's running this retreat with me, would you allow us to nurture you, to take care of you, to create an environment for you to grow, for you to heal, and for you to start dreaming again, to really be in touch with who you are and to feel that you can kind of dance into a better tomorrow when you leave us. So I hope that this calls to you. Of course, the link for this retreat will be um, below. And uh, I can, I'll also put a link to all the retreats we run, but I'm really hoping to see you here in Canada at our um, Rising Moon Sisters Retreat, October 27th to the 29th. And until then, have the most beautiful day.